beloved congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, try to imagine a life without fear. It's not easy to do, is it? You see, fear is a reality for all of us. We have fears about the dark. Fears about new places and new people. Fears about the future. Fears about our health and our wealth. Fears about our job. Fears about our family. Fears of failure. Fears about being hurt. Fears about how we might die. Fears about what other people might think of us. Fears about what they might do to us. Somehow we all know, congregation, deep down, that this world isn't safe. Fear is a reality for all of us. That doesn't mean fear is always bad. Fear can actually help us to, to avoid things that are dangerous. Fear can help us protect ourselves and our loved ones. Fear, fear is not always bad, but, but even though it's not always bad, fear, apart from the fear of God, apart from the humble reverence and the awe and the worship that we should show that we owe to God, apart from that, fear is the consequence of something bad. It's the consequence of sin. Fear is the result of the fall. Because if Adam had not taken of the fruit of the, the tree that God had told him not to take, the world would still be perfect. And, and, and we would be perfect. And, and there would be nothing to fear. Nothing to be afraid of. But, but the problem is Adam did take the fruit. And we don't live in a perfect world anymore. We live in a world where animals sometimes do hurt people. We live in a world where even people hurt other people. We live in a world where there is pain and where there is suffering. Where we live in a world where things are not as God created them to be. Things are not very good. We live in a world that is filled with so many reasons for us to feel and to be afraid. And, and in a certain sense, Christians have even more to fear. Because they have, they have enemies, they have the devil, they have the world that hates them, the, the ungodly world, the hostile world, and they have their own sinful flesh. They, there's, there's so much to fear. We're all familiar with, with fear. And the problem is that by nature, we don't handle our, our fears in the right way. Sometimes we ignore, we, we deny our fears. Could be that we, we just don't even recognize them sometimes. Or, or it could be that, that, that we, we, don't, we do know we're afraid, but we don't want to admit it. We want to look macho. We want to look tough. We want to look strong. I'm not afraid. We pretend. And sometimes, sometimes we let our fears, they, 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 we let them control and, and overwhelm us so that we, we become anxious and, and depressed. Sometimes we look to our own strength or our own resources to handle our fear. We, we trust, we put our confidence in ourselves or perhaps in other people or things to, to help us and of course, it's not wrong to use practical means to help us with fear, with, with anxiety, but, but, but the deeper issue, what about that? Uh, is what are we putting our trust in? That, that's the issue. You see, and the point is by nature that we don't handle our fears the right way, and that's not just true of unbelievers. It can be true of believers. It was true of David. 
It was true of David at times. Psalm 56 is about a time in David's life when he was afraid. And, and the psalm's title says that, as we read, it's a psalm about a time when the Philistines took him in Gath. As I mentioned, it's, it's a reference to, to what happened to David in 1 Samuel 20 and 21, after David had been anointed by, by Samuel to be king. By God's command, King, king Saul had eventually become jealous of David. He wanted to kill him, and he actually came close several times. David playing the harp, and there's a javelin in the wall right beside him. Saul came close, and so David had to run in, in fear of Saul, in fear for his life. And, and that wasn't, wasn't wrong. It was a good practical thing to do. But the problem was, the problem was at this point, he was trusting in himself. He was relying on himself. While he's fleeing, we read in 1 Samuel 21, he comes to the priest. But all he does there is he asks for some food and a weapon. There's nothing about him seeking the Lord. And then he flees to Achish, the Philistine king of Gath, the hometown of Goliath, whom David had killed. And, and there, some of the Philistines, they recognize him as the great David, the one that the Israelites sang about. Has not David killed his ten thousands? They tell these Philistines, they recognize David and they tell Achish and David realizes in terror that he's caught. For Samuel 21 tells us that he's sore afraid of Achish. David, David was in the grip of fear. But from this psalm as well as Psalm 34, we learn that in that moment, when David was afraid, he turned again to God. That's what we see in Psalm 56. We see David turning to God in his struggle with fear. What time I am afraid, he says in verse 3, I will trust in thee, in God. And with this psalm, under the inspiration of the Spirit, David is teaching us. He's teaching us to do the same when we are afraid. And so what I want to do with you this evening with God's help, congregation, is simply look at the psalm together and, and under the theme, learning from David's struggle with fear. We'll first consider his cry to God, secondly, his confidence in God, and thirdly, his commitment to God. Well, David, as I said, is almost as good as, as dead. He had barely managed to get away from Saul, only to end up in the hands of the Philistines. He's, he's all alone. No one is there to help him. He's terrified. But in that moment, in his fear, in his terror, he cries out to God. That's how he begins this psalm in verse 1. Be merciful unto me, O God, for man would swallow me up. That's his cry to God. And it continues through verse 2 and then again in verses 5 through 8. David, in his fear, he turns to God and he prays to him. He cries out to him. He does what he should have done much, much earlier. He had been trying to rely on himself, on his own resources, on his own plans, but, but, but it only made things worse. And now he is here in Gath and he's caught by the Philistines and he's in, his life is in danger. All his plans, all his hopes are shattered. His pride is shattered and he finally realizes that the God he has been ignoring, the God he has not been seeking, is the only one who can help him. And so he cries. Notice, notice what a humble cry it is. Be merciful unto me, O God. He, he doesn't get 
angry at God. He doesn't accuse God of failing him, of being unfair to him. He doesn't proudly make demands of God. He doesn't appeal to something in himself. He appeals to the mercy of God. He humbly asks God to have mercy on him, to show him undeserved favor, to have pity and compassion on him. See, David realizes there is nothing in himself. There's nothing in himself that makes him worthy of the Lord's help. There's nothing in himself that obligates God to help him. You know, isn't that a lesson for us when we are afraid? Sometimes, sometimes we can think that we have the right to a good life, to an easy life, to, to a comfortable life. We think we, we have a right to grow old and, and to be successful in our business and to have a good marriage and a nice house and easy kids who never complain. We, we think we have the right to never get cancer and never get Alzheimer's and so on. But then when something happens, when something happens that seems to threaten the rights we think we have, we get afraid and, and, and sometimes that we pray to God, yeah, but it's not humble prayer. We get angry at God. We accuse God. We raise our fist at God. We say, or at least we think, God, how can you do this to me? You're being unfair. You have to stop this. You have to heal me. What, what have I done to deserve this? What have I done? What if God answered that question? What have you done? Have you always loved Him with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength? Have you always loved your neighbor as yourself? Have you always relied on God? Or, or has there perhaps, like David, been times in your life when you didn't truly seek Him, when you ignored Him, when you were relying on yourself instead of on God? You see, David, David he's broken here. He's broken. And he cries in humility, then be merciful unto me, O God. Is that not a lesson for us also when we are afraid? But notice too that it was an honest cry. David, he doesn't hold back from God. He pours out his heart to him. He pours out his complaint. He tells God his problems. He, he tells him his anguish. He tells him what's making him afraid. Be merciful unto me, O God, for man would swallow me up. He fighting daily oppresses me. David tells everything to God. He tells him all his fears. Man is after me, he's saying. They're hunting me. They're, they're tracking me like a pack of wolves in order to get rid of me, in order to kill me. They're oppressing me. They're pushing me into a corner. They're squeezing me like a vice grip. There's no let up. There's no break. There's no chance to escape. They're fighting against me daily. And it's not just one or two people. It's many. My enemies would daily swallow me up. They'd be many that fight against me, O thou most high. You hear what David's doing? He's telling God all about his troubles. He's pouring out his heart to him. He pours it all out, the persecution, the constant oppression, the constant slander, the ceaseless plotting and planning against his life. Verse 5, every day, every day they rest, they twist my words in other words, they make it look like I'm saying something I'm not, I'm not saying. To make me look bad. To make me look like an evil person. All their thoughts are against me for evil. 
In other words, they're always planning how to hurt me. They're, they're always planning how even to kill me. Verse 6, they gather themselves together. They hide themselves. They mark my steps when they wait for my soul. David had plenty of trouble. He had plenty of reasons to be afraid, didn't he? Here's the point. What does he do? What does he do with these troubles, with these reasons for fear? He brings them all to God, to the Lord in prayer. And you see the lesson there here for us to, to do the same, to despite our unworthiness, yes, in ourselves, we may and we should bring the things that make us afraid to God. Now maybe you say, Pastor, I'm not sure my troubles really qualify. I mean, they're nothing like David's. It's true, David's experience is pretty extreme, isn't it? As far as I know, none of us have experienced the troubles that David experienced, at least not to the same degree. You probably haven't had a bunch of people in your life literally hunting you and trying to kill you out of personal hatred and revenge. Maybe if we live somewhere else, like North Korea or Afghanistan, where you can be killed or get a life sentence for being a Christian, we'd identify a little more with, with David here. But we don't live there. We live here. And our troubles for the most part, are are different. But you know, congregation, the beautiful thing is that God doesn't say anywhere in His Word that we can only come to Him for help when people are literally trying to kill us. No, He says, call upon me in the day of trouble, whatever trouble that is. He says, cast your burdens upon the Lord, whatever burdens they are. He says, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, casting all your cares upon Him, all of them. For he cares for you. So even when the things that make you afraid are not quite the things that were making David afraid in this psalm, you may and you should and you can still bring them to God. Be honest. Are you afraid? Tell him. That is what David's cry to God is teaching and inviting us to do. It's teaching us to be anxious for nothing as it says in Philippians 4, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. David's cry to God is humble, it's honest, and and by the way, even though we may not have the physical enemies that David did, as Christians we have spiritual enemies, and as I mentioned earlier, we have the devil, and he's out, he's out to get us. In some ways, David's enemies here are a picture of our spiritual enemies. We can bring those to God too. Sometimes we wonder, will we make it? Will we make it to glory? All the things that are against us, Satan, our flesh, the world, bring it to God. Cry out to God. David's cry is humble, it's honest, and it's fervent. It's earnest. In verse 7, David asks, God, shall they escape by iniquity? In thine anger, cast down the people, O God. David's enemies are are sinning against God by what they're doing. They are opposing God. They're not just hurting David. They're opposing God. They're opposing His law. They're opposing His will. So David takes that to God and he appeals to His justice, to His righteousness. He fervently, he earnestly asks God to cast down the people in His anger. We might think that sounds harsh. Sounds a little vengeful. Congregation, David didn't pray this because they're making life hard for him. 
or because he's feeling vengeful, but because they are sinning, they're committing iniquity, and they're seemingly getting away with it. That's why David prays that way. And beloved, there are times when it is right for us to pray this way too. When people are committing wickedness, and they're getting away with it, they're not repenting, it's right to pray that the Lord would stop them, that he would cast them down. We see the fervency of David's prayer also in verse 8. He says, Thou tellest my wanderings. Put thou my tears into thy bottle. Are they not in thy book? It's a beautiful picture, isn't it? David takes comfort in the fact that God knows. He knows all about his wanderings. Both the wanderings he was forced to do against his will and the wanderings he foolishly did on his own. He knows. He knows David's troubles. He knows David's afflictions. He knows David's sorrows and he cares. He says about his people in Exodus 3 verse 7, I know their sorrows. He has a bottle and a book for his people's tears. So David prays fervently, put my tears into thy bottle. Congregation, this is, this is the encouragement for us. We can, we can do the same. We can pray that same prayer when we are afraid, when we have trials and tribulations and, and struggles in our lives. Whatever our, our, our troubles, whatever those, our fears that we may have, God knows. He knows your sorrows. He knows your fears. And He cares. He has a bottle just for your tears. And He invites you through this text also. He invites us to give, us, to give our tears and our fears to Him. However long we may have been ignoring God and relying on ourselves, we may still turn to God in repentance and cry out to Him. When you are afraid, we may and we should cry to God. But there's a second thing we see here in this psalm, not only David's cry to God, but also his confidence in God. And this is really the heart of the psalm. David's confidence in God. Notice how many times he refers to it. Verse 3, what time I am afraid, I will trust in thee. Verse 4, two times, in, in God, I will praise his word, in God. He says it twice there, I have put my trust. In verses 10 and 11, in God, in the Lord, in God have I put my trust. I will not fear what flesh can do unto me. I will not be afraid of what man can do unto me. You see, David's confidence, he puts his confidence in God. That teaches us that when we are afraid, we may and we should put our confidence in God too. Who can compare to Him? Who can compare to God? He is incomparable in power and might. He is greater than all our troubles. Than all, if we would take all the troubles of all of us here this afternoon and, and, and put them all together, and it was a huge mountain, God would still be greater. What are your troubles? Is it temptation? Is it the devil? Is it doubt? Is it sickness? Is it death? Whatever it is that you are afraid of, God is greater than it. Put your confidence in Him. But we struggle, don't we? We struggle with putting our confidence in God. Like David, we so often are prone to, to, put a, to rely on something or someone else, on ourselves, and, and 
We don't, we don't do that. Where, where can we get this confidence that David had? Well, notice with me, David's confidence in God, it didn't come out of thin air. It was nourished by the word of God. We see that in verses 4 and, and 10. Three times, right in the middle of confessing his confidence, his trust in God, in the Lord, he inserts this little statement. I will praise his word. And David, of course, he didn't have the whole Bible, he, but, he, but he had at least the first five books. Genesis. Children, do you know the first five books of the Bible? Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. And those first few books of the Bible congregation were enough to convince David that the solution to his fear and to his trouble could be in only one being, God, the Lord. You see, those books of the Bible, they, 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 they revealed to David, just like the Bible reveals to us, the whole Bible, they revealed to David who God is. He is the eternal, the all-powerful, the almighty creator of all things, the one who made the world and everything in it out of nothing, the one who spoke into darkness and said, let there be light, and there was light. He is the God who formed man out of the dust of the earth and breathed life into him. He is the God who is sovereign over everything, who's in control of all things. He is infinitely greater and stronger than man. And what's more, what's more, did you notice his, there's one time in the psalm where he changes the name. He says, in the Lord, verse 10, in the Lord. He is the Lord. This God is the Lord. The one who had saved Israel out of slavery in Egypt with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm and who had promised to be their God. That's what God's word revealed to David. It revealed the greatness and the grace of God. And so David's confidence in God, you see, it was nourished by the word of God. What do you think that teaches us, congregation? Doesn't it teach us how important it is to be in the word? You know, sometimes the reason we struggle with fears about the things going on around us, the things going on in our lives, sometimes the reason we struggle is because we're not steeped in God's Word. We're steeped in social media. We're steeped in Facebook. We're steeped in the news. We're steeped in our problems. And we're not steeped in God's Word. And we wonder why we're so afraid. We need to learn from David here. We need to be in the word of God. That is what God uses, you see, to work faith and to work trust initially and increasingly in our hearts. The word is what God uses to work confidence in him. As we read about his greatness, as we read about his power, as we read about his grace. Think about it. Think just about the account in Exodus of God delivering his people out of Egypt. Remember, children, how afraid they were when when. When God brought them to the Red Sea and, and they, they were, there, there was this big sea and, and behind them was, was the Egyptians and they were coming, they were coming closer and closer. Then what did God do? Well, you read in, in, the, in Exodus, don't you? You read that he opened a path for them in the Red Sea and he led them across on dry ground. And when the Egyptians tried to follow, he closed the sea back up again and he drowned them. What an amazing display of the power of God. What an encouragement to put our confidence in him when we, are t- when we also are afraid. David's confidence, you see, in God, it was rooted in, it was nourished by the word of God. 
So when you're afraid, and even when you're not, read the Word of God. Meditate on it. Reflect on it. Ask God to help you understand and learn from it so that you can learn to trust in, trust in Him more and more. And David's confidence in God was nourished by the Word of God, but, but ultimately he was founded. His confidence in God was founded on the promise of God. Look with me at verse 9. David says here, When I cry unto thee, then shall mine enemies turn back. This I know. That's, that's strong confidence, congregation. David is certain that God will hear his cry and cause his enemies, cause the people who want to kill him, the people he's afraid of, to turn back. How can David be so sure? It's because of what he says next in that verse. For God is for me. You see, God had, through Samuel, anointed him, David, as king. And so David knows, he knows, of course, because he has a relationship of faith in God even before this, but he knows also by this special promise that God is not against him. He is for him, and he will do what he has said. He will make David king. That's his promise, and God always keeps his promise. God's promise, you see, is the foundation of David's confidence. But maybe you say, okay, that's great for David, but we're not David, are we? We don't have a personal promise like that. Well, it's true, David's situation was, was unique. We don't have the promise that he did, the promise that he would be king in Israel. That was a special promise just for David. But you know, we have something even greater, don't we? We have the gospel, the full revelation of the gospel, the good news of salvation in Jesus Christ. We have the New Testament that tells us about the Son of God becoming incarnate, taking on our flesh, and living a perfect life, and dying in the place of sinners, so that what? So that sinners like us could be reconciled, could be accepted by God. We have the word of reconciliation. Dear beloved, the promise of peace with God by faith in Jesus Christ. We have the word that for all who are trusting and resting in the finished work of Jesus Christ, there is no condemnation. The word that God is not against them, but, but for them, for all who are in Christ. And as Paul says in Romans 8, if God be for us, who then can be against us? And so when we are afraid, when we are afraid, how can we have such confidence in God? The kind of confidence that David had. The confidence that enables us to not fear. To, to say with David, I will not fear what flesh can do unto me. The confidence that enables us to not be afraid in the face of trials and troubles. How can we have that confidence? It's only by faith, by trusting in Jesus Christ for all our salvation. Because it's in Christ alone, beloved, that God is for us. Apart from Christ, without Christ, if you do not belong to Christ by faith, God is not for you. He is against you. And if God is against you, there's something to be afraid of. But when you belong to Christ, and you can say, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Of whom, of what shall I be afraid? Yes, even even if God doesn't take the sickness away in this life, even if God allows Satan to, 
to, to assault you, to continue to assault you and tempt you. Even if God brings you into hard things and difficult situations, you don't have to fear because your enemies will not win. This I know if you are in Christ. For then God is for you. But I want to consider briefly yet also not only David's cry to God and his, his confidence in God, but his commitment to God. You see, David doesn't, David's confidence of God, in God doesn't make him presumptuous. It doesn't make him say, well, you know, God will take care of me so I can just live however I want. Now look with me at what David says in verses 12 to 13. He says, Thy vows are upon me, O God. I will render praises unto thee. For thou hast delivered my soul from death. Wilt not thou deliver my feet from falling, that I may walk before God in the light of the living? This is David's commitment. His commitment to God in response to his deliverance, God's deliverance of him in this situation. He's committed to praising God. God's vows are upon him. And whether that's referring to God's covenant promises to him or or perhaps to the vows that David made to God, and he was afraid. The point is that David is not thankless. He's not thankless. He's not presumptuous. He's not unthankful for God's grace and help toward him. He's committed. He's committed despite also the fears that he has had and the fears that he may have in the future. He's committed to praising God. He's committed to rendering praises, literally sacrifices of thanksgiving to God for his deliverance, for his saving his life from death. And so should we, congregation, if we are in Christ. In fact, if we are in Christ, we will desire to give thanks to God. That will be our desire. David's desire will be ours. You cannot experience the salvation of Jesus Christ, you see, and then go on living, living the way you did before. Yes, there may be, sadly, there may be times of backsliding, just like David had begun to backslide in his faith. But, but that's not something that to be whatever about, well, that's just how it's going to happen. No, when God has delivered us from the grip of sin and Satan and brought us out from darkness into his marvelous light and into the kingdom of his dear son and delivered us from our fears, our fears also of death, then you will be committed to thanking God for so great a deliverance. You will be committed to that. That will be your desire. And if you have backslidden, when he comes and he brings you back and when he restores and renews your faith, in Him, then you have all the more reason to be zealous in rendering Him praise. David's committed to rendering praises to God, not just with his mouth. He's committed, congregation, to living before God, to living before God in the light, in the light of the living, in the light of life. Though he knows he's weak in himself and there'll be different enemies along the way, different things to make him afraid, he remains committed. He puts his confidence in God, knowing that he who has delivered his soul from death will also deliver his feet from falling. And so the true Christian then, experiencing God's rescue, God's salvation for the first time, or again, will be devoted and determined to live before God, to follow after Christ, who said in John John 8, I believe, I am the light of the world. He that follows me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. 
So fear is a reality for all of us, congregation. We all struggle with times of fear. But let us learn from David's struggle with fear here in Psalm 56 to turn to God in and with all of our fears, crying out to him, putting our confidence in him, and being committed to him. Amen.